so glad to be back with you guys today. It's just wonderful to be home. This is our home. Amen. And so that I could relax on vacation, Elder Greg has agreed to preach today, and we are in for a special treat. Elder Greg Harold, come right on and bring us the word, brother. Anticipation. You just didn't, you just experienced anticipation. Some of you guys were thinking that, oh my gosh, we're going to hear the first ever sermon in mime. <laughs> and I could, I could see Pastor Allen down there and the wheels were turning and he was thinking to himself, how am I going to fill up an hour of dead air for our radio broadcast? <laughs> And um, for those that you, of you that are listening on the radio broadcast or the podcast of this message, all I did here was I assumed the pulpit, and for the first few moments or so, I just didn't speak in order for the people that are here in this room to, hear, to, to step into a sense of anticipation, because today I'm going to speak on living a life of anticipation. Living a life of anticipation. You can um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. I like to call it number 33 on your 100 essential Bible scripture list. 1 Samuel 17. And while you're turning there, um, let let me tell you a story about how anticipation actually practically works. When... Well, I was born in a, uh, a town north of El Paso in New Mexico. It's called Las Cruces, kind of in the middle of what we call the desert. And I lived the first number of my years alive in Las Cruces. And my dad's family was back in South Georgia. And my dad was very dedicated to, he wanted to travel to South Georgia. So a lot of times we would travel two or three or even four times by car from Las Cruces to South Georgia. And we went in, we had a 1957 Chevy station wagon, no air conditioning, And for those of you that think a 57 Chevy is cool, this one was not. (laughs) This one was a four-door, and it was painted what I call the ugliest green ever. So what we would do is we would pile in ugliest green ever two or three or four times a year, and we'd get in there, and and the the back, we didn't have seatbelts in those days, so the entire family would get in there. And my sister and I, we would rattle around in the back of this station wagon, kind of like BBs in a barrel. And we'd go down the road, and my dad's strategy for getting to South Georgia was, get there. So the first few trips that we made, I don't really remember anything about it. I don't even remember a hotel room. 
because I think that my dad would go until like midnight, and then he'd find a hotel, and by the time we got to the hotel, I mean, I'd be sacked out, you know, and I'm sure he carried, you know, my, my dad or my mom would carry me into the hotel room, sacked out, wouldn't remember it. Before dawn the next day, we'd be back in ugliest green ever, headed east. So these were trips that we made quite often when I was a kid. And then one day, my dad told me, I think I'm probably five years old at this time. My dad told me, son, this time we're going to see the ocean. And I'm, this changes everything. Everything. This changes everything for me. We're going to see the ocean. We get in that car, and from that point on, my vision is changed. I'm anticipating seeing something that I've never seen before. So every time we come over a hill, a hill I'm looking for the ocean. Dad, is that the ocean? Any body of water that comes along, Dad, is that the ocean? I've never seen it before. I'm, my vision has changed because I am anticipating seeing something that I've never seen before. I'm living a life of anticipation on that trip. And I've got to tell you that on that particular trip, I remember a lot. I remember a lot. I, I bet you I drove my folks crazy, you know. So anyway, um, that's how anticipation works, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, looking in your Bibles at 1 Samuel 17, before, before I go there, I, want to, I do want to say one thing. Um, I was telling our brother Scott Underwood about this word that God had given me that I'm preaching today. And... I'm telling Scott all about it. I'm really excited because I think that God breathed. And we're driving up here to the church when Scott was here. And Scott listens very intently. And then he turns to me and he says, I think I heard that sermon on veggie tales. <laughs> so I'm humbled by this word that I got. I guess it already appears in veggie tales or something. But that's, you know what? That's okay, isn't it? So you know the story that that uh, that occurs in First Samuel 17. What's happened here is the Philistines have they're the they're the enemies, the traditional enemies of the people of God, and they've come out from their land and they've moved down into the Valley of Elah actually in Judea. So they've actually already occupied some of the land. And so Saul, the king of, of, of Israel at the time, takes his armies out and he camps on the other side of the valley. And for 40 days, a giant named Goliath comes out and he, cha- he challenges the children of Israel and including Saul, and says, come on out, because if I defeat your champion, you will be our servants. And if one of your champions defeats me, 
we will be your servants. But for 40 days, the, the army of, of God, the army of God, sits there and looks at this guy and, and quakes. This guy's big. Some accounts say that he's 10 feet tall. His armor weighs 200 pounds. 200 pounds. This is a big guy. You know the story. So David, who is the eighth son of a man named Jesse and has already been anointed king of Israel, but is not walking in that yet, is obedient to his father and his father instructs him, hey, take this, take this care package, that's what we would call it today, a care package, and go take it to your brothers, or his three oldest brothers are with the army there in the valley. Take this package over there and check on your brothers, see how they're doing. So David goes up and he sees Goliath come out and challenge God. That's how he sees it. So let's pick up in verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Everybody say anticipation. Anticipation. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Saul has already offered a bounty for killing Goliath. Now, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom did you, have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Everybody say anticipation. Let's drop down to verse 32. David's taken before Saul because he's saying, hey, somebody needs to go out here and kill this guy. Verse 32, David says to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, that is David, I'll go and I'll fight with this Philistine. Everybody say declaration. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Did you hear that, guys? You guys. You're a youth. And Saul is saying, this guy is a man of war. You're crazy. But you know what? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy and says, don't let anybody despise your youth. Because you're going to be an example to the believers. All right? So I declare that over you today. David then tells Saul some of his testimony that he already has about killing the lion and the bear. And in verse 37, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Everybody say declaration. And Saul says to David, all right, go on then. And 
in verse 40, David takes a staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. Everybody say anticipation. Now, that's kind of interesting about these five smooth stones from the brook because uh, the rabbinical, there's a rabbinical story that actually says that the rocks, the, the, the stones that were in the brook, they actually spoke to David and said, take me, I will help you slay the giant. Isn't that cool? That's an extra nugget. <laughs> anyway. So David takes his five stones, and um, the reason that he grabs five stones, I think most of you know that we find out in 2 Samuel 21 that Goliath also has four brothers. So he's prepared. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And everybody say, dedication. Dedication. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give you the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all in earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Everybody said, dedication. 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so it was, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried, David hurried, and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Everybody say anticipation. Okay. And we know the rest of the story. David hurried out there, and with his sling and the stone that he picked up out of the brook, he nailed Goliath. And then he ran over, took Goliath's sword, and chopped his head off, killed him, and the armies of the Philistines were routed. Now, A lot of times you hear that David, and I believe that this is the case because the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 16 that David was anointed king because he was a a man after God's own heart. And, yes, that is indeed the, the case. But I also believe that David was walking in a different way in addition to the fact that he was a man after God's own heart and If you look at David's life, you see him doing some things that we need to begin to adopt and we need to begin to do ourselves, okay? And the first thing that David does, and as we just read, he's making a declaration, okay? He's stating without doubt what the Lord is going to do. He's speaking blessing and Victory over his situation or the situation that he sees the children of Israel facing, rather than cursing himself. Now, Kerry Kirkwood stood in this very pulpit here, and he spoke about blessing and cursing and the power of our words. And this is what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is applying those same, the same power of words to yourself. 
Okay? So if you find yourself in a place that you're troubled, where you need to become an overcomer, I want you to begin to declare over yourself that this is what the Lord is going to undertake to do. Amen? God will do it. David is walking in anticipation. What he's doing is he is seeing with eyes saying, not only am I going to declare the Lord's work in my life, but my eyes are now trained and I'm going to anticipate what God is going to do. Not getting ahead of God. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But what I am talking about is seeing differently, saying, you know what? God's going to do something here, and I'm going to see it happen, and I'm excited about it. Later on, I'm going to, I'm going to make a declarative prayer over us in regards to this anticipation. See, David's actually walking out a lifestyle in which the Lord's, the Lord's reputation is David's concern David is concerned about the Lord's reputation. Do you understand what that means? That his actions, he wants to make sure that his actions uphold the Lord's reputation. Okay? And he wants to make sure that his actions prove out to where David is actually being used by God to further God's kingdom and to further provide glory to God. Isn't that cool? To me, it's cool. He's always thinking about God because he's thinking that way. He's got this vision of anticipation, and he's thinking about the Lord. And because he's thinking about the Lord, he's always looking for God to make a move in his life. God, where are you gonna, what are you going to do here? God, what are you going to do here? So it should be for us. And then once he sees... God move, he makes a dedication. And what I mean by that is that he ascribes to the Lord what the Lord has actually done. He gives God glory and credit. He makes a memorial. And then he tells others about the Lord's mightiness, about what the Lord is able to do. So what we're going to do here is we're going to remember... These three words, these three words that we're going to walk in by their acronym. We're going to make declarations. We're going to walk in anticipation. And once God moves, we're going to stand here and we're going to make a dedication to the Lord. It's easy. Dad. It's dad. It's dad. We ought to be able to remember that, especially this week, right? Now, there's three things that you have to be aware of regarding living a life of anticipation. The first is opposition. You have to expect opposition. People are going to call you naive or even worse than naive. But you have to stay focused on what the Lord is doing. In the scriptures that we just read, we see both Eliab, David's oldest brother, and Saul, 
telling David, when David says, you know what, I'm going out there because this is an affront, uh, affront to God, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And Eliab and Saul effectively tell David, forget about it. Hang it up. I could spend a whole sermon camped out on this concept, but I'm not. But I will tell you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. If you see a brother or sister walking out in anticipation, they've made a declaration. They're anticipating God moving. Encourage them. Don't be an Eliab. Don't be an Eliab. Okay. Matter of fact, the best I can tell. Um, this is the last time that we see Eliab appear, this particular Eliab appear in the Scriptures. Uh-oh. But David, the name David, appears in the Scriptures over 1,100 times. I don't want to be an Eliab. If I see a brother or sister walking it out, going for it, I'm going to say, you go. Praise God. You're awesome. Perseverance. In order to walk like this, you're going to need perseverance. You may see God act in some areas of your life while you're waiting for him to act in others. And I don't know why that happens. Um, in our scripture today, uh, in, in 1 Samuel 16, David has already been anointed as king of Israel. He's already been anointed. But instead of, like, kicking back and saying, huh, I'm king. Oh, yeah, I got it going on. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, gonna, I'm king of Israel. What he's doing, David is actually being absolutely obedient, not only to Saul the king, but he's being obedient to his father, and he's still walking out this life of anticipation. He knows that the... the that the anointing has already been there. And when he got anointed, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit actually came upon him. So he's walking out a spirit-led life. He's being obedient, but he's not waiting to be made king. He's doing, okay? So he is continuing to walk out a life of, of declaration, anticipation, and dedication. In my own life, I call this a, a nested approach, and, and in my own life, um, I've got some situations where I have made a declaration, and I'm waiting for God to move in those areas with great anticipation. I've gotten mighty testimonies. There's no doubt about it. But while I'm waiting for God to move in those areas where I declared, God, you're going to have to do this because I certainly can't, I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to look at my situation with anticipation. I'm waiting to see the next big thing that God's going to do. And when God does it, I'm going to dedicate what God has done to him. 
And that brings me to my next point, and it's the point of testimonies. As God moves in your life, you're going to see, you're going to be walking what I call from glory to glory. I mean, that's a phrase that appears in in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But you're going to be moving from glory to glory. It's a a life of movement, of walking, of going, victory to victory. And you're going to begin to build up testimonies. Amen. Amen for testimonies. Now, these testimonies are what I call kingdom property. You have the testimony, but the Lord Jesus owns the copyright. The victory is yours, but you praise Jesus for it. You should be encouraged by every spirit-breathed testimony that occurs in your life. But you've been given a testimony for two other reasons. Number one, so God can be glorified. God can be glorified. And number two, so that others around you can be encouraged. In the scripture today, after David slew the giant, um, the Philistines broke and ran, and the army of God pursued them and slaughtered them. They were encouraged enough at that point. By the way, and this is just this is just extra credit, a little bit of of uh, aside for you. But what was supposed to happen, and what the Philistines said would happen, is that if our champion is defeated, we will be your servants. But when David got, I mean, when Goliath got killed, they broke and ran. They didn't surrender. So if you're dealing with a Goliath in your life, if the enemy is trying to get you to make a deal, you need to know this. The enemy is a liar. The enemy's a liar. So dismiss it. Don't make a deal with the enemy. Let's pursue victory through Jesus. I want to talk about testimonies being for others. Um, in John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, and you don't have to turn there, but um, we see this really, to me, one of the most touching stories in all of the Gospels about Jesus. And, and Jesus uh, is called because Lazarus is, is sick, and he kind of tarries a little bit. He kind of doesn't get over there very quickly. And, And by the time he gets to where Lazarus is, Lazarus is dead and he's in the tomb. And as he was headed over there, he said, don't worry about it. This is all for God's glory. And then we we see this this moment in in the gospel, and I just love this, where we hear Jesus actually present himself to the Father just before he calls Lazarus out of the grave, and he says to his father, I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus is going to make a miracle, and the people that are standing around are going to have a mighty testimony so that they can be encouraged and believe. And that's what our testimonies are. We're going to encourage others. We're going to tell others about our testimonies. 
At the end of this summer, we've got a team of folks that are going over to Romania on what we call the testimony tour. And that's exactly what they're going to be doing. They're going to, they're going to be using some victories that they have had in their lives, and they're going to be ministering to the Romanian gypsies, people that are, are literally burdened by some of these, some of this sin, and our testimony tour folks are going to be able to tell them that they have overcome those same things. Amen. Amen. But I've got to tell you one thing, that there's really no reason, no reason at all, that when we leave this building today, that we can't walk out and be on our own testimony tour. Amen? We can go out there. Everybody that we come in contact with, we can start talking about our testimonies, those things where God has acted in our lives, where we have seen victory through Jesus. In closing, I, I, I want to I say this, that a lot of what I've just spoke today um, is directed at two groups of people. And that first group is, and there's some people here I know that are in this situation. You've been praying into a situation or over a circumstance, and you've been praying, and you've been praying, and you've been praying, and you have given up. You're done because you haven't seen God answer your prayer. And I want to encourage you that even though God hasn't answered that particular prayer, God is going to answer that prayer. And in the interim, he's going to do a lot more for you. Amen. The second group of people that I want to be talking to today um, as we close is, is the folks that have listened to the lie that God is too big or too busy to be concerned about the little things in your life, and so you haven't even prayed at all. And it's not like that at all. As a matter of fact, God is so interested in you as an individual that he sent his son so that he could enter into a very intimate relationship with you and that you could be restored into his presence. But I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus, when he was walking the earth, literally had some of the disciples laying up against his chest in an intimate moment of, of communion and unspoken, unspoken communication. And so God is interested in every little aspect of your walk, everything. He's interested in everything. And in order to, to develop some of these testimonies, I want to encourage you today to invite him to be a part of it. God, I'm going to go to this business meeting today. Can you help me? And then when you walk out of that and God has brought the victory, you've got a little testimony. Amen? Time and time and time again. God, I need a job. Can you give me a job? 
and God will do it. And you've got a testimony. God, I need some time off so I can go to Kentucky. Can you do that for me, God? And he'll do it. And you're going to build up these testimonies. So I just want to encourage you to invite God to be a part of what you would consider those little things in your life so that you can build up testimonies. And that will help you walk in this with this sense of anticipation. You know, God did that, and I'm waiting for the next big thing that God's going to do because he's awesome. He's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to make a declarative prayer over you right now. And then I'll turn the service back over to Pastor Allen. But let me just declare this. And I've got to tell you that it's easy for me to pray what I'm going to pray. And the reason it's easy is because I pray it over myself all the time. And I, believe it or not, I pray it over you. I pray it over you all the time. Everybody that's in this room and that's in the Generations Church body, I pray this prayer. So you just bow your heads and let me make a declaration over you. Lord, we just thank you for your word, Father. And I thank you, Father God, that you are a God of restoration, Lord. A God of victory, Father. A God of, of doing more than we could ever ask for or even imagine, Father God. And Lord, I pray that over your people this morning, Father God, that your people will begin to walk in the reality and the realization that you desire to provide them with victory after victory after victory, that you desire to move them from glory to glory to glory, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you will make that evident for your people, Father, over the next week, over the next month, over the next year, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that that the hearts of the people will begin to be softened where maybe they've been hardened, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, that all of your people will begin to walk out a life of anticipation, Father. Father, restore your people's vision this morning, Lord, so that when they open their eyes today, they're looking for an opportunity to see you work, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I pray that over myself as well, Lord. Father, give us perseverance and endurance in those areas where we need to wait, Lord. I pray all of these things in the mighty mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Greg. Anticipation. Anticipation. I was reading that story one day and I noticed you know, David had already been anointed king. You know what he did with the head of Goliath? He took it for a walk through Jerusalem, which was one of the next giants in his life. So rather than resting on your laurels, yes, I got mine. Yes, I finally got victory. No, spread the word and start looking for the next challenge. Move from a defensive posture to offensive. Amen.